0: Thank you for joining us today with Cindy Sherwood's podcast, Words for the Journey. I don't know if you have had the experience of working under the authority of messy people, but likely you have. It isn't much fun, and maybe you are or have been that messy person with people working under you. I've been both. Prior to my healing, I worked as a Christian education director. I was passionate about bringing the truth of Jesus Christ and God's word to our youngest generation and gave my all to the work. However, I hadn't even begun my healing journey at that point. In fact, I didn't even know I needed healing. And I was a messy leader. Everywhere I turned, there was trouble, but I couldn't see it and didn't understand why. Now I do. I was full of toxins from my abusive past. I had a ton of healing issues, all unresolved. Unfortunately, that's too often the case. There's nothing worse than working (laughs) under or with someone who is a hot mess. And it's not just the workplace where this is true. It's just as bad in our homes, families, and other relationships. And certainly in the church. In my 40 years of working in churches, I've worked with plenty of messy pastors. Fortunately, this is not true today. I'm in a healthy church, led by a healthy pastor. It's a deep desire of mine to see ministry leaders and pastors get healing so their service will be purified, their ministry more effective, and so the people they are serving don't get hurt. There's an old saying that goes, hurt people, hurt people. This is not God's plan in the church or anywhere among us kids. There's enough pain and suffering in the world. We're here to ease suffering, not cause it. I've had many people come and find restoration in our healing journey classes from trauma on the mission field and from mission organizations. Not one time have their wounds been related to the people they were serving. Their wounds were from their fellow Christians and mission organizations. God has a way for us to be healed and made whole and healthy so we're fit for service. But it requires giving our wounds the attention they need. There's a biblical precedent for this too. Look at the life of Joseph and David and Paul. They all had a season of suffering, waiting, humility, reprogramming, and preparation before God placed them in the primary role for which he created them. Even Jesus, the one who was perfect, had a season in the wilderness before he began his ministry. Today, I want to zero in on Joseph's season. He's an excellent example for us to learn from. In case you are not familiar with his early years, let me do a flyby. To understand where his toxins came from, we need to look at his backstory. The 11th son of Jacob, Joseph, came along later in his father's life. That's because Jacob's favored wife, Rachel, was not able to get pregnant. Jacob's other three wives were all popping out kids left and right, particularly Rachel's sister, Leah. She had six. Eventually, though, Rachel did give birth to Joseph. Because of these dynamics, when Joseph was finally born, he became the beloved and favored child, setting up deep resentment and jealousy among the brothers. From the outside, Joseph looked like he had it all. A talented young man. He came from a good, God-fearing family. He lived an idyllic life on his great-uncle's ranch in Haran with a large extended family but when he was six his father suddenly gathered up he and his siblings in the middle of the night and they ran away never to return Joseph lost contact with all of his extended family and lost the only home he'd known I'm sure the confusion fear and grief were hard for this little boy As a young teen, Joseph experienced anger, rage, and injustice when his sister Dinah was raped. And as a response to their sister's violation, Joseph's older brothers murdered every man in that town. They had to move again for fear of retribution. That's some crazy family issues. That year was a real doozy because after they left Shechem, where they had been living, His mother died giving birth to Benjamin, Joseph's only full sibling. Not only would this have triggered huge sorrow and grief for Joseph, losing his mother so young, but it also changed the dynamics in the family. When Jacob appointed Joseph to be his favorite, he set up a negative dynamic in the family. To the same degree Joseph was loved by his father, He was hated by his brothers. But as long as Rachel was around guarding Joseph and watching out for him, it would have been more difficult to get at Joseph. With Rachel gone, it was a whole new game. The stage is now set for what I call the Big Kahuna, the event that will change Joseph's life forever and set him on a seemingly disastrous course. As favored child, it was Joseph's job to check up on his older brothers and make sure they were not misbehaving. Oh my, that's not going to go well. The younger elevated above the older, their brothers are now a powder keg, ready to explode at any time. So, on an errand from his father, again sent to check up on the boys, they decided to put an end to their brother. They saw Joseph coming. At first, they talked about killing him, but they didn't want blood on their hands. So, they threw him into a dry cistern. While trying to figure out what to do next, a caravan of traders just happened to pass by, and they sold him into slavery. Joseph's last view of his homeland was from the back of a camel headed to Egypt. He would never again live there, and it would be 22 years before he saw his family again. The next 13 years were spent first as a slave to a wealthy landowner, and then in prison after he was falsely accused of molesting the boss's wife. He lost everything at that point his freedom, his dignity, his dreams. He had nothing. He was treated as a common criminal. Then suddenly, when it seemed as if all hope was lost, Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, released Joseph and put him in charge of the entire nation after he successfully interpreted Pharaoh's disturbing dreams. Wow! In a matter of a few hours, joseph went from the prison to the palace life was good again he was given a wife who gave him two sons he was powerful and wealthy he had everything he could want and i'm guessing all that nasty stuff from his past appeared to him as a closed chapter and no longer relevant however we find that's not the case because when the predicted famine occurred and food became scarce Guess who showed up on his doorstep looking for help? That was a shock. Holy moly. He looked out into the crowd, gathered before him, asking for food, just like he'd done for months. And he saw ten men who were definitely not Egyptians. They were dressed in the clothes of his homeland. And he realized it was his family. I want to pause the story for just a moment. Now if the past wounds were not a relevant issue, if they weren't still poisoning his heart, mind, and soul, the ensuing scenario would have gone like this. Joseph looked out in the crowd and recognized his brothers. He was so excited to see them. It had been too long. He rushed over to them and introduced himself as their long-lost brother. He welcomed them to Egypt and invited them over to his house for dinner. Over dinner, he let them know he had forgiven them a long time ago and would love to renew their relationship. He begged them to stay a few days before returning home to his father. When they finally left, he gave them more than enough provisions to feed the family and he told them to come back with the rest of the family. But all those wounds were still emitting toxic waste. They may have gone dormant while Joseph was separated from them for two decades, but they hadn't diminished one bit. The instant he saw them, that old pain was fanned into full flame. The wounds took over. Joseph was enraged at the betrayal he had experienced at their hands. He hid his identity so he could stay in the power seat and have the upper hand. He threw one brother into prison. The brother's arrival in Egypt set off a negative cascade of uncontrollable thoughts, feelings, and urges for Joseph. Merely a day earlier, his family was a non-issue, and now it was the only thing he could think about. God kicked this thing out of its hiding place and into the open so he could finally bring healing and restoration to Joseph's life. It is never God's plan for us to carry around our painful wounds. That's why his word gives us the healing process. So we can be whole and healthy people. People surrendered to God. People who can accurately and humbly hear his voice. Our painful wounds make us deaf to God's voice. While we're still living with our garbage, we're totally invested in being our own protector, doing everything we can to run from anything coming too close to those wounds, because we know how much that will hurt. We're highly invested in being our own power source, manipulating and controlling events and people around us in order to keep that wound locked in the closet. God can't possibly be in charge of our life because our wounds make us desperate to maintain control at all times. God needed Joseph to be able to hear his voice now that he was a free man and running the nation. And that meant healing for Joseph. When Joseph's healing season began, the day his brothers arrived in Egypt looking for food, joseph's neat and tidy world began to unravel the next months were confusing messy and uncomfortable this is always the case as god strips us of our control our false idols our false beliefs our medications of choice our pride god dismantles us in our prideful ways so he can put us back together again minus the pain and wounds Before this season was over, Joseph would lie, manipulate, deceive, weep, rejoice, take revenge, and exact punishment. This godly man did not look very godly. Even so, it was a necessary season. God had to rip control out of Joseph's hands to get Joseph's attention so he could do the restoration work. It took round after round, but finally, Joseph's pride was broken. Joseph finally let God into his wounds. He finally stopped doing it his way and let God have the reins. He came clean with his brothers and told them who he was. Genesis 45 verses 1 to 4 says, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. He forgave his brothers and released them from their offenses against him. Verse 5 says, But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. God opened Joseph's heart again to his family and renewed his love and relationships with them. And then he went even beyond reconciliation. He brought great blessings to his family, bringing them down to Egypt, giving them choice land, providing for them, and saving his family from starvation. Verses 10 to 11 say, You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. You shall be near to me, you and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine. It was a wild ride for Joseph for a time, but because he ultimately surrendered to God's control and stopped holding on to his wounds, he made it through. And because of Joseph's obedience, God gave him the thing he most wanted, to be reunited with his father and brother Benjamin. Verse 15. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them, and after that his brothers talked with him. By the end of his healing season, Joseph had God's perspective on his life, and he could see how God was leading his life all along. And now he wove all the circumstances toward a good purpose. At the end of his life, Joseph said this, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives, Genesis fifty twenty, NIV. He finally made the decision to stop trying to control and preserve his wounds and instead Let it all go, allowing God to remove the wounds. We think we're protecting our wounds by staying in control all the time, but we're not protecting anything. We're preserving our wounds. We're keeping them alive and toxic. Just because we're not around that person who deeply hurt us doesn't mean those painful feelings aren't still there, as we saw in Joseph's life. You get the right circumstances and you find yourself right back in the middle of your pain like it was yesterday. Don't settle for the counterfeits. Withdrawal, hiding, power, control, manipulation, revenge are all counterfeit solutions. Go God's way and receive the real solution, one that sets you free. God may not call us to lead a nation and save them from starvation, but he's called us to something. Don't try to do it while still carrying around all your garbage from past hurts or you will find yourself a hot mess, making everyone around you crazy, hurting people instead of helping them. You see, God has a better way. He always has a better way than we do. When we do things his way, the story has a better ending. All scripture is from the New King James Version, unless otherwise stated. Thank you for listening to Cindy Sherwood's podcast. Visit us on the web at hishealinglight.org to learn more about our ministry. Please consider rating us on iTunes or your other favorite music app. God's best to you today.